Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel family church and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Renard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you On Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. I want to start this morning with uh, the book of Joshua. Chapter 1 and verse 9. Um, the Lord speaking to Joshua as he is taking the, taking the, um, the leadership after Moses. He has taken the leadership and they're going to go now across the, they're going to go across into the promised land. And there are hard times ahead for Israel. There are hard times in their future. And the Lord, first of all, tells his commander, his leader, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I especially like that he asks or commands Joshua to be strong and of good courage. You know there's... there's angry courage. Do you know that? There are people that want to punch you in the face and that, you know, they're, they're, there's an anger. They're courageous, but they're angry courageous, right? Good courage is something else. It, it flows out of a heart of goodness. It flows from your sense of God calling you to share and spread his gospel which is a very positive message. It's come down through the generations, many times being a, a negative message. You know, God is angry, God is, you know, this and that, and the other thing. But he, he specifically commands Joshua to be strong and of good courage. I'm going to tell you, strength is not talking about physical strength, not talking about physical prowess. It's not even talking about intellectual prowess. It's talking about strong in your faith, I believe in Jesus Christ, and you're not going to talk me out of it. You know, I've read so many books. I don't even want to tell you how many books I've read this way, that way, this way. There's nothing that compares with Jesus. There's nothing that compares with Jesus Christ. And setting your life upon him, walking with him, and allowing him to mold and make you into what he has He has. Uh, foreseen your destiny. Um, we live in a world in which there's no lack of things to worry about, especially these days, I think. 
We encounter financial and health challenges and rational difficulties and pandemics, political polarization, to name a few. Right? But being strong and of good courage is, is a decision. Being strong and of good courage is a decision. And strength and courage are things that you, you exercising strength, strength and, and your faith muscles create a deeper sense of faith, create a deeper, deeper sense of belief. So you come to the place where you say, listen, I know, you know, if I go to the most universities, most of the, the hoity-toity intellectuals are gonna laugh at me, you know, because I'm, I'm a God guy and all that kind of thing. And um, the truth is that's hard to bear in a culture. You know, you're the one that's, they're gonna make fun of you or this or that or the other thing. And you, you do grow to a place where you don't care anymore. You're strong and of good courage. You're strong and of good courage. You're strong and of good courage. Now, it's not always the most comfortable conversation when you, when you say, well, I really believe in God. <laughs> I really am, I'm, you know, kind of stuck with Jesus. I mean, you, you know, you can... You can threaten my life, and I make chicken out. I hope not. <laughs> I'm hoping to come to the place where I don't chicken out. Say, who? God, who? <laughs> right? But, but you desire to come to the place where, where, like all the martyrs throughout the centuries, you stand for what you stand for. You're strong and of good courage. You know, Israel was going to see, you know, they were going to cross the Jordan River, and then they were going to do Jericho. Jericho, the walls fell down, right? But Jericho, the walls were so large that they used to have chariot races on the walls of Jericho. And Joshua said to, to, all, said to all of the people who were walking around for seven days, walking around Jericho, don't say one word. Don't say one word during this entire next week that we're going to be marching around Jericho once a day and then seven times the seventh day and then shout, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because unbelief is contagious. Unbelief is contagious. Unbelief wants you, wants you to fear. Unbelief wants you to not represent God wants you to hide in your, you know, a hole somewhere. Be a hobbit and hide in a little hobbit hole, right, in the shire. There ain't no shire, man. There ain't no shire. This is a place of, of brutal, desperate, spiritual warfare. And there's only one name given under heaven and on earth by which men must be saved, and that's Jesus and your friends and your family members and your neighbors who do not acknowledge that fervently, do not acknowledge that, have no guarantee of eternal life. Have no guarantee of eternal life. So be strong and of good courage means that that really has to be the, the church's the church's point of view, perspective. Amen?
We, uh, on top of the, the craziness of the world, we also internally wrestle with questions such as, who am I? What am I supposed to do? What does God want me to do? I guess I get probably 20 times a year, somebody, somebody will ask me, I don't know what God wants me to do, you know? And, um, you know, there's not, a, there's not a singular answer to that, but, but it doesn't hurt if you start by praying, right? And asking him, what, what do you want me to do? Because sometimes you find yourself smack in the center of God's will, and you don't even know how you got there. It wasn't you woke up with a little map under your pillow, you know, that an angel left at night and told you to do this and that and the other thing. You follow Jesus. You follow God. You follow your intuition. Amen? So, what am I, uh, what am I to do? How am I to be loved? And how can I become all that God intended me to be? That's a great question. Am I going to make the cut? Am I actually going to make the cut? Am I going to be what God wants me to be in this life? Am I going to find the path that he has for me and serve him in the dimension that he has called me to serve him? I mean, we should ask those existential questions. We really should. Go to God and ask him, what now, God? Seasons are changing. All right, each of these circumstances uh, creates uncertainty and often our instinctive responses to worry. Uh, scripture, however, exhorts us not to worry. And so when we even worry sometimes about our worrying, the Bible has a great deal to say about worry. Um, the scripture says about this issue how we can prevent it from robbing us of joy and peace. Because that's what worry does. Worry just takes it all away. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to us? If we're about to run through, uh, we have to distinguish between normal and healthy fear and anxiety and worry. Normal fear or anxiety is a part of God's design for us because it warns us of danger and possible harm. We should all experience fear, for example, if we're about to run into another car while driving, if we see floodwaters approaching our home. The kind of healthy fear preserves our lives and well-being. We're not talking about that. Standing in the middle of traffic, that you should worry. You know, that's, that's not smart. Um, finally, there's an important difference between worry and constructive concern. We should be constructively concerned to maintain our physical health, for example, but not to worry about it. There are following contrasting attitudes that help us illustrate the difference between these. Worry will paralyze you. Concern will motivate you. Worry will pa paralyze you. Concern will motivate you. Concern says, I've got to do something about this. I've got to find somebody who's doing something about this. I've got to engage myself in this. Worry paralyzes you. I don't know what to do. Right? This, number two, worry prevents initiative, constructive, beautiful creativity. Concern promote, promotes initiative. You're concerned, you think about ideas that are creative and different and new. 
you look around and see what other people are doing, and maybe you can do something better because you're, you're, you're motivated to do so. So worry prevents initiative. You'll find out that most artists, that they're kind of freestyle people, bohemian or whatever freestyle people, because they almost need to be in that place for creativity to, to flourish. You know, if you're, if you're always just kind of worried all the time, you know, you're all bound up with worry. It just paralyzes you, and it's very hard to, hard to produce the creative. Make sense? Worry results in anxious fretting, while concern results in calm focusing. It's not always calm focusing, I don't think. Um, anxious fretting is, uh, again, it's the same type of preventing initiative, but um, there's a focus when you're not worried. There's a focus on, on your job. There's a focus on what you ought to be doing at that point in that time. You can focus on it. You can get stuff done if you're not worrying. Okay, finally, worry fears the worst while concern hopes for the best. Big difference, biggest difference in the world between a hoper and a, and a person who's bound with fear. You know, a hoper, no matter how difficult things get, especially those of us who know the Lord well, it doesn't matter how difficult things get, you're going to hope. Given the kind of everyday worry is not a medical, I'm not, he's, this guy that I, I have um, pulled out some of his uh, information. So he's not talking about a medical condition, worry that there's anxiety, people have anxiety, they have panic attacks and things like that. Those are real things. We're not, we're not making fun of people who actually deal with a genuine clinical depression or worry or something like that. You know, those are real things and we have compassion for those things. There's prayer for those things. There's doctors for those things. There's all kinds of healing that's available. But we're talking about an inordinate worry, an inordinate fear, a fear that you shouldn't have. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna have enough problems. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough problems for you to worry, you know, for you to take care of. Don't worry about tomorrow. Right? One author helpfully defines worry as the practice of indulging fear, clinging to it, feeding, and serving it. It involves choosing to stay in a place of fear when we could make another choice. And it's, it's a choice. This is the kind of worry that runs contrary to God's will for us and that um, we can overcome as we better, better understand who God is and commit ourselves to him. There are more than 300 passages in the word of God that instruct God's people not to fear. 300 times in the Bible it instructs God's people not to fear. Is that great? Isn't that great? <laughs> when the Egyptian army arrived to attack the Israelites who had just been released from slavery, 
The people panicked. Moses responded, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. That's Exodus 14, 13. David declared in the Psalms, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break against me. Even then, I will be confident. Three times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus commands us, do not worry. There he addressed anxiety about the physical needs as well as the future. Do not, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. <laughs> Each day has enough trouble of its own. Glory to God. Why is worry problematic from God's perspective? It's because worry undermines our trust in God. Whenever we worry, it undermines our trust in God. Whenever we begin to lose, we begin to fall apart, we begin to worry, it undermines God's promises to us, all of his promises to us. It calls into question the power of, the power of his love. Trust or faith is the foundation of our relationship with God and serves as the basis of our salvation, as well as our daily Christian life. Paul wrote, we live by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's one of my favorite scriptures. We walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by what Jesus said, not by what the newspaper said. You know, I doesn't mean that we're, we're going to dodge every bullet that ever, ever comes around. I don't think so. But I think that you can stand strong regardless of, uh, of what's happening. And I think that there will come a time when people are going to be attracted to mess a message like this because it's the only message that gives you a genuine hope. And not just hope for heaven, hope for earth. Hope for earth. I hope to make you strong. I hope to help, to help you overcome your own demons. Your fears, your, your you know, addictions, all of those things. The author of Hebrews states, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why, what is faith so important? Why is faith so important? Because you can't see God. You've got to either believe he is or he isn't. You can't see him. You're never going to see him. You see him in eternity. But you know what? The, the disciples saw him. 500 people saw Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. It's like the most um, believable historical fact we have from the ancient world that Jesus Christ was physically raised from the dead on the third day. Rather than fear uh, what might happen, God calls us to trust that he is sovereign ruler of the universe and will bring good out of all of our circumstances. Not that happens to us, everything is not that happens, everything that happens to us is good, of course, but God can bring good out of difficulties, trials, and challenges, right? Romans, is a Romans 8 that says all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Learning to trust God is definitely a process. I remember as a young, young Christian, 
out under this, this star-spangled sky, asking God to reveal himself to me, asking God to give me faith, true faith, because I was, like every, most people, when they come into the kingdom, I was a little bit confused. I had been raised in a school that taught me, you know, things that, that now I see Jesus, and he's teaching me other things. And I wanted, I wanted to know, Jesus, how can I believe you? How can I believe you when there's so much data in the world that we live that seems to be in opposition to your word? How can I believe you? Teach me to believe you. It took years. Right? And listen, people say that, um, you know, everybody with faith every once in a while may have uh, a moment of doubt. That, that's okay. It's not the end of the world that you have a moment of doubt. But people who are unbelievers have moments of faith. They have moments, too, where they get scared of God. They get scared that if they're wrong and they enter into eternity, even though they're, and they're, they're, they're telling you how there is no God, in the middle of the night, they wake up with a fear on them. What if I'm wrong? Right? Learning to trust God is a process as we grow in our ability to do so. We mature spiritually. We never trust God perfectly in this life. Uh, James says, if a man says he doesn't have sin, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. Wham. He's very delicate, James. Uh, but growth in this area is part of our sanctification, and that's the part where you actually become, you, you learn to behave more like Christ would behave. You actually learn to behave in areas of your life and think in areas of your life like, like God's word is true. God's word is not just true Sunday morning, it's true Thursday evening, right? Um. Practical ways to overcome worry uh, by focusing on important truths. uh, Number one, remember the Lord is our shepherd. He watches over us like shepherds guard their flock. If you can believe that, God will watch over you. If you can believe that, God will watch over you. He will walk alongside of you. And regardless of your circumstances, God is with you. God will care for you. He is our rock and our fortress and shield, Psalm 18.2 says. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. How many people read the armor of God? Put on the whole armor of God so that you can overcome all of the schemes of the devil. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit, right? Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Loins gird about with the truth. You know, shield of faith. Man, you are covered. Right? He keeps watch over us because his great love for us. You've got to understand that God's nature is love. God's nature is love. But that does not stop him from being perfectly just. 
That's why he sent his only begotten son to die for our sins. That's why, because of his love for us, he sent his son to die for our sins so that in his son we can receive of his love and not be owned by sin. He keeps watch over us because of his great love for us. Um, And nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 8 also. When you're tempted to worry, remember that God always seeks your good in all circumstances he allows in your life. God wants your good. God God wants your good. God wants your prosperity in some area. Maybe it would be you know, filthy rich tycoon. And maybe you won't. Maybe you'll just be rich in God's word. Maybe you'll be rich in charity toward your neighbor. Maybe you'll be rich in words that, that just can bring people comfort and love. Maybe you'll be rich in creative aspect of how do we build a church in, in a culture that has so denied God that, cre- that requires creativity. How do we build a church in a culture like that? You know, those are gifts. Those are gifts. Should not only resist worry, fear, and anxiety, but also um, we should dwell on goodness and truth and the beauty of God and his creation. My God in heaven, even during the ugliest time of the year in these mountains, not a leaf on a tree, you know? It just, it just seems, I don't know. I don't, but it's, there's still a beauty about God's creation. Even in the winter, it says something to us. It says something to us. It says, look, it's winter now. I don't see any fruit on any trees. But I have faith there are going to be fruit on these trees again. There are going to be an abundance of, of leaves on the trees. And it's gonna, our mountains are going to be green and lovely this summer. Amen. And we're going to be able to drink of all of that. But even during these times, there's a loveliness about God's creation. Paul urges us to think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. You know, that's fine because we really have a hard time with purity. Because purity is like really important and we are so suspicious and cynical of our leaders, of our church leaders, religious leaders, of our governmental leaders, of our, of our parents. Who doesn't, you know, what teenager doesn't go through a time where the parents are the, like the worst people on the planet, you know, or something? I did. <laughs> and then you wake up one day and you know how much smarter you are than them. And then you wake up one day and say, boy, am I a moron. <laughs> My parents knew everything that I should be doing, and I just didn't. <laughs> whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on these things. Let your mind have a break. Take a break from your worry, from your responsibility. Take a break and be with Jesus.
A key way to put this into practice is to memorize Scripture. You can never do anything more important in your life than memorize Scripture. Know the Bible. But there are some people who know the Bible that don't know Jesus, by the way. So, but especially passages that relate to the points above about God's sovereignty, protection, love, and peace. When worry threatens to destabilize us, passages that remind us of the truths we've been discussing can guard our hearts and minds and replace anxiety with God's tranquility. Much that happens in this life is beyond our control, and there are many uncertainties, but we can entrust to God all that happens because of who he is and what he has promised us. We serve a good God. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God has used this message to minister to you. If you would like to help financially support the work of Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can go to our website and give at www.cmcconline.org. There you'll find options how to give online safely and securely. And to find out more about Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can follow the handle at CMCC Church at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also head over to our website at www.cmcconline.org. And on behalf of Pastor Bob Inglehart and everyone here at Catskill Mountain Christian Center, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and thank you for joining us this morning.